Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, Captain Kirk goes into space, rucksack, sprinkle gate and Lippy's new clock. Now, Lippy. Hello. I'm losing my voice a bit, mm. so I'm afraid you're going to have to do some more talking than usual. <laughs> That's not an issue, is it? <laughs> never is. Never I'll is. I'll take it. <laughs> so last week we talked about Sky Glass, yeah. and it's been, I think, launched properly in this mm. country, if that's the right word. So there's more information about it. And it's slightly confused about whether you need streaming accounts or not. So obviously Sky comes with a whole bunch of stuff. And you can add Netflix with its Sky Ultimate TV subscription. Yeah. So that includes it. But it doesn't mention anything about Prime. But it does look still pretty good. But I have found with our PlayStation, you can search through different channels. Yeah. So Across channels, rather. I feel like Sky are advertising it like it, this doesn't exist. But our TV definitely already does everything the Sky TV does. Just we don't have Sky. Well, does it recommend programs across different streaming channels? Yeah. It has a has a watch button, or I can't remember what it's called, but you click on it and it brings up a load of options for you to watch what? across everything. But are those ones that you will watch, or is it just a random bag of programs? We watched one of them, the the new ITV series, Angela Black. It's oh, don't talk to your mother very about good. that. Very good. Yes, but for some unknown reason, we don't seem to be able to watch it. Right. I don't know. Oh. I don't. I haven't been firing at all cylinders this yeah. so I've just kept my, kept my head down. Yeah, good plan, so. good plan. Anyway, so maybe you don't need a glass Sky TV. Not unless you want to pay for Sky. Well, and pay for the box. You've got to pay £13 actual unit. You don't On top of the Sky. God, Sky yes. just, they just take money, don't they? Oh, it's sorry. It's a television with a 48-month interest-free loan. Oh, so you're you're, pay, you're pre you're splitting the payments of the TV. Got ya. Yeah, yeah. So that makes more sense. Well, you're only by the time it becomes obsolete. Yes, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, notable event from last week was the Blue Shepherd launch yes. with James T. Kirk aboard, mm. or William Shatner, as he's sometimes known as. And uh, I watched it on YouTube. Uh, it was it was great. I mean it. It raised a couple of questions for me. Okay. So I watched it and it was a little bit delayed. So I saw more of it than I would have normally have done. Mm. So they put them in these big Rivian 4x4s and drive them quite some distance to the launch pad. Yeah. But they drive really slowly. And why? The, the road is dead straight. It's flat. There's no other traffic on it, just these two vehicles. <laughs> and the people inside apart from the drivers, are all about to go very, very quickly. So why does, <laughs> Build why suspense. does it matter? Why? Well, it was just a bit flipping out. They're egging this out a bit. Well, do you know how fast they were driving? Was it not just a wide shot? It may have been faster than it looked, yeah. but it seemed blimmin' slow. It was a little bit like that scene in Mr. Bean's Holiday <laughs> with the, the large guy yeah. on the very slow moped, where he's just getting, well... Closer, very, very slowly. <laughs> and then they get to the gantry, and there's no lift. So you've got poor old 90-year-old William Shatner climbing upstairs. All right, he managed it okay. But you think, 
With all this technology that's there, they would have put a lift With in. all the engineers as well. I'm sure building a lift for them is literally like folding a piece of paper. Well, I think it's a little tr- more tricky than that. But essentially... But logistically, why? It's not a diff... Yeah, logistic. I can't think of any reason why they wouldn't have one. Mm. Because the, the thing is quite wide. So there's steps at both ends. So you could have the lift at the end furthest from the big hot bit of an issue. But I'm sure that, I mean, Saturn V rocket for the Apollo missions was considerably taller. So Maybe even an escalator? Was, you know, well, possibly, Gosh. but it'd be in the open air, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe it's the open air. Who knows? But it was, uh, it was great. And when they came back to Earth, William Shatner was just, he, just his face. My you know, He'd obviously experienced, the, well, the thing of a lifetime, mm. which it, of course it is. And he just kept saying it was so blue, so blue, <laughs> and then so black above, yeah. and so blue. <laughs> and uh, basically doing the typical old people thing and grabbing anybody that would listen to him yeah. and tell them what an amazing adventure it had been. Wow. So, uh, so good on him. And then a bit later in the week, I found a spoof article. So after the overwhelming and euphoric adrenaline rush slowly receded from his body, Captain Kirk, a.k.a. William Shatner, a.k.a. the oldest man in space, was brought crashing back down to Earth by a small print of the contract he signed with Blue Origin billionaire Jeff Bezos. And as Bezos was showing him around the factory, uh, he pointed out that he would be working in there until the full cost of his space flight is paid <laughs> And there's a cracking picture of um, William Shatner boxing up some stuff for Amazon. Well, so hopefully that wasn't the case. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> but I, that was very funny. I, I, I enjoyed that immensely. So we had a conversation during the week mm. of coming up with a quiz for cheeses. Yeah. Which I've not done anything with since for various reasons. <laughs> so uh, we've, we've got that to come in a, in a week or so. Yes. But House of Games, which is by far my favourite game show, had a series of questions that children, I think ranging from the ages of 5 to 12, mm. have posed. Ooh. And one of them, and I, I didn't know the answer to this, you may or may not, because it, it may be a, a more modern term, but there's a term called RUCSAC, R-U-C-S-A-C, which stands for the six steps that students need to take with maths problems. No. And the question was, what does it stand for? No, I didn't think so. It wasn't a term that I remember. It's not a term we used. And it, no, and it's not a mnemonic like you might have with bod maths for orders of other maths. So we looked at one another and I said, oh, I wonder if it's revise. Wife of Grumpy said, no, it'll be rest. The first thing you do when looking at a maths question is rest. Yeah. <laughs> rest. That that summarises Wife of Grumpy's Reset. approach to exams. Completely <laughs> reset. Rip up. <laughs> so rip up. Well, that's not going to get you points, is it? So... The answer actually is read, understand, choose, solve, answer, and check. Some of those seem a bit redundant. Choose? What if it's not multiple choice? Yeah. What you choose him? Well, Which hand to well, write with? I suppose with? there's different, different ways to skin a cat. Mm. Also, I really like the simplicity of that as well. It's read, understand, choose, solve, answer. Like, remembering... <laughs> actually seems really silly (laughs) that's obviously what you have to do when you look at a maths question is read it then solve it all the other bits in the middle just would either work or not work like you'll either be able to do it or not (laughs) 
Yes, absolutely. But I think the two important bits in that are understand in terms of understanding the question. Mm rather than thinking you understand it then answering yeah. something completely I think different. Other, rather than understand I think I would have read read again well reading it twice doesn't mean so you're going to understand it well what if you never understand it can you move on to solving it what if you don't understand it you can't solve well, it well you can, can guess you? though reading it again just means you read something you don't understand a second time <laughs> Also, what you have to bear in mind, they've come up with this brilliant mnemonic for this, mm. and they're not going to, well, they possibly bent it into rucksack. Yeah, rather than made the rucksack out of it. Yeah, I've done it in the past with software products, where you come up with an absolute cracking name, and then somehow you manage to shoehorn the name in. And that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, somehow. Yeah. Some time ago, well, it was quite a while ago, we covered the Colin the Caterpillar cake. Yes fiasco well it seems like there's another bakery feud going oh, on no. and this time with sprinkles would you believe what is it like the multicolored things you put on top of a cake absolutely how can you what yes quite well <laughs> here we here we go so it's raspberry glazed donut cookies oh that sounds uh, banging in leeds they look absolutely superb <sighs> And uh, West Yorkshire trading standards say the imported decorations, so that's the sprinkles, had fallen foul of UK regulations. Right. So trading standards said the E127 food colouring is only approved in the UK and the EU mm. in cocktail cherries and candied cherries, which are possibly two of the worst substances oh, on disgusting. earth. Disgusting, yeah. And the ingredient had been linked to problems with hyperactivity and behavioural issues in children. Mm, so what sense. this is saying, that the small number of sprinkles on top of that donut could cause your child to go wrong. Not, not the sugar Stop that's in the donut day. cookie. Or the raspberry glaze. That was my thought exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, presumably not, because the raspberry glaze has got doesn't have E127 in it. And the baker went on to say but the british sprinkles are rubbish they run and they aren't baked stable mm. and actually i've noticed that if you make a trifle and put sprinkles it on goes all into the cream for an hour you can't yeah, yeah absolutely and, and i don't my not mixing food desire yes. sort of goes a bit mad with that. <laughs> so um yeah so they've chosen these sprinkles because they look a lot better and yeah quite frankly there's not many on there no it's not uh, as it in loads and loads could though. they just not pick out the blue ones isn't it blue that's normally the issue well, blue normally is the issue. I don't think it's necessary here. So they've had to pull the product. That's a shame. They want to produce a substack. Yeah, absolutely. Well, couldn't they just make it without the sprinkles? Absolutely. Well, I suppose they could, but then well, it's not quite the same. I'd quite it? like to go and try one of these, though. I love a donut and a cookie mm. and glaze. There's something about glazed icing, like the original Krispy Kremes. That glazed is just unreal. Like on Yum Yums as well. Yeah, I find Yum Yums very sweet. Mm. Dream. No, sadly, you can only pick it up from Leeds. Mm. So if you're in the area, it's probably worth dropping in. Yes, but otherwise that seems like a bit of a drive just for a cookie donut. Yes, just a little bit. Seems to be some quite interesting posts on their Facebook page. People getting slightly overexcited, I would have said. Oh, you had something to say about zombies. I did. It's a bit of a weird concept, to be honest, but... I, as a Taurus, it's my birth star sign, I like to re-watch shows. Apparently it's something to do with, it's a comfort thing. So this is the second time I'm watching this new, this not new series, this series. But obviously as it's the second time, I'm 
not I'm only half watching it, so I'm more pondering what's actually happening. So the mm, show is called Yes, I understand. Yeah. So the show is called I Zombie. And at the start of this the show, a girl who's training to be a, a doctor, she has a fiance, she goes to a party one night on a boat, and there's a lot of naughty things happening on the boat. Okay. And then all of a sudden everyone loads of people go into a rage and start eating and attacking people and she jumps out of the boat but before she jumps out of the boat she gets scratched so then she wakes up in a body bag which obviously scares the life out of a few people mm. as a zombie. And the premise of the show is that as long as zombies are continuously eating brains before they get too hungry they are still completely normal people con- normal functioning they're just pale because obviously they don't have warmth in their blood and they have no color to their to their hair or yeah skin their pigment's gone as well and then that made me think if we did have a zombie apocalypse would that actually end up being the case Rather than your classic zomb like mad for brain zombie. Like as long as they're getting that addiction, yeah. they're fine. And they're like normal people. Could that actually be what the zombie apocalypse is like if we ever have one? Well, I'm assuming the apocalypse will happen when they run out of fresh brains. Yes. And then what happens? And then they turn into the extremely brain craving, yeah. scary zombies. They start decaying because they're not getting the substance that they need. So they start actually like bits of them falling off and looking really disgusting. And then they can't communicate and they do just attack anyone just for the brains. But none of them are like that yet. Or the ones that are like that were ones that were trapped because they obviously then can't get to the brains. Yes, I think I understand. But I think you're probably right. It leads up to a point where all of a sudden you can't get food and everybody goes a bit mad. I feel like normal though. Makes makes sense that as long as they're eating brains regularly, they they're not hungry. It's like humans; like we're not always hungry, so they're not always hungry. They're only hungry if they haven't eaten for a while. Mm. But then the other thing that happens is that when they eat the brains, they take on the personality traits of the person they ate. Obviously, oh. Oh, because that's, that's where your whole personality lives is in your brain. So when they, but I don't think it's like a flavor. No, when they eat the brain. And they're digesting it and it starts going running through their body. They start taking on that personality trait. And they have flashbacks. They, they have triggers. When they see things, they get like little of what happens. Oh, my word. Yeah, so I feel like... That's a very complex story. It is, isn't it? I mean, normally zombies, it's just a lot of shouting. Yeah. Well, they've managed to massacre. make a good few seasons out of it. So it needed to be more, more than just mm. massacring. But yeah, at the moment, I'm on... I'm going into season three and nobody's aware that there's there's zombies around, really, apart from a few people. That's even more scary, to be Mm. honest, because they're all there and they're all, presumably, if you get scratched, you're a zombie. Yeah, but because they're fully functioning, they don't scratch people on purpose anyway. Well, this one guy was because he was obviously a bad guy because he was, he was worked in a funeral home. So he was selling brains. So he was scratching people to create a market. To then Very sell. And then the the girl that's a good zombie, she works in a morgue. So that's where she gets hers from. And she okay. helps the detectives 
figure out how they died because obviously she's getting the flashbacks and stuff. So presumably a zombie working in a morgue is a bit like you and I working in a cheese shop. Yeah, just endless supplies of the thing that they crave. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. When you said iZombie, I assumed it was a bunch of teenagers wandering around with the latest iPhone. No. (laughs) I think it's just meant to be dumbed down. I am a zombie. iZombie. Oh, okay. Well, a bit like I, Claudius, which is very much before your time. Yeah, I don't know what I, Claudius Oh, I have to look out for that one. It's on Netflix. No, it was... What, I, Claudius? No, I, Zombie. Oh, I, Zombie. Okay. I think it might be Well, if be I could ever bit... get onto the account that I pay for. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come off it for a bit. I'll have to start going into into That's an office surprised. soon, so you can have it any time during the day. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. But when I'm working... Yeah. And there was some excitement about your new clock this week. There was. We've been waiting for the clock for a month, for one. So, like, it was exciting when it turned up. So when it turned up, I thought, oh, I'll take a little video so Chris can see what the clock looks like. So I did a little video, sent it to him, got a text back saying, what time should we set it on? I was like, what? The time? Like, why would we set it on any time other than the the time? Like, that's a really weird question to ask. And then it clicked in my brain that he didn't realise it was a real clock. He thought it was just like a piece of artwork. So I text back saying, you do know it's a functioning clock, don't you? And he was like, no, I did not. He thought we had just bought a piece of art, basically, that looks like a clock. Lost for I, Honestly, I was <laughs> laughing for ages. To the point where I sent it to everyone. And then he came home and we were talking about it. He was like, I thought that was quite common. Like, he was like, our friends that live in Emsworth, they have a big clock on their wall. He was like, their clock isn't a real clock. And I was like, yes, it is. He was like, oh, I've just never really like looked at it to check the time. I was like, it's definitely a real <laughs> clock. Like, it definitely works. He was like, the last time we were there, and I was like, yes, they told us they'd run out of batteries for it. I was in shock. I was in absolute shock. I can't believe he thinks people just have clocks for just to not have them tell the time. That said, we do have one in the conservatory where the motor's not stopped working. But that's, you didn't buy it. So far down on the list of fixes. No, no, it works works perfectly okay. So you didn't purchase it specifically because you liked the look of it and that. No. You didn't want it working. Uh, here's, Here's a fashion accessory watch that's set to. Five past five, mm. so I could always have a drink. Well, no, the uh, the most aesthetically pleasing time is two o'clock. It's actually ten to two. Yes. Well, they're like yes, this. Could, yes, it is. But I worked at Hewlett Packard. We had a wall of clocks in different time zones. Mm. And some of them were quite in line with the minutes. Yeah, that's stressful. It drove me yeah. nuts. Yeah, it was really stressful. I had to walk in backwards so I couldn't <laughs> see the wall. It was the only way to get through the yeah. day, to be honest. Well, that's what I thought Chris meant to start with is like, we should just have it on like some random mm. time zone. So that when people come in, they're like, what's that about? Then you can be like, oh, it's set to this time. Don't know why. I just thought, yeah. I thought that's where the brain wave went because obviously that's more interesting than just we bought a clock that doesn't work. Well, the alternative is if you put it a couple of hours fast, then if you've got people around you're getting a bit bored with and they go, goodness, is that the time? Mm. Oh, yes, it is. is. And if it's somebody you want to stay, you go, oh, no, it's two hours fast. We can't work out how to turn it back. Yeah. (laughs) Bit cheeky, but... Wouldn't be the worst idea. No, it wouldn't be the worst, no. 
Back on Richard Osman's House of Games, there was a question on there this week, Mm. which led to a bit of investigation on a novel called Gadsby. And this 50,000-word book has been written without the use of the letter E. And he's not missed it out. He's just not used words that contain the letter E. How? Well, that's one question. Why is another question? Yeah. Why would you do that? There must... Well, that's actually a lie. He hasn't written an entire book without the letter E. Because it says E... Wow. Four times on the cover. Yeah, five, seven, but the first edition actually had eight times, and the introduction has got an E as well. But the actual novel bit, which is the 50,000 words, that will be more words, does not have an E in it. And I thought, oh, that would be interesting to read. So while I'm looking it up on Amazon Kindle, Wife of Grump is looking up a review that said. I bought this book because I thought it'd be quite interesting. And after the first couple of chapters, it became so hard going, I threw it away. The words must be so, like, confusing. Because you would have to constantly be looking in a thesaurus to find a word that means the same, but doesn't have an E in it. Yes, or over-explain things or use more words than you need. There's a couple of, uh, oh, the opening paragraphs here. If youth throughout all history had had a champion to stand up for it, to show a doubting world that a child can think and possibly do it practically, you wouldn't constantly run across folks today who claim that a child doesn't know anything. A child's brain starts functioning at birth and has, amongst its many infant convolutions, thousands of dormant atoms into which God has put a mystic possibility for noticing an adult's act and figuring out its purport. Oh, God, I could not read a whole book that sounded like that. No, the second paragraph is worse, and I'm not going to read that. But they, he must not use words like the. No, can't use They, the. Interesting purport i come across before. I feel like I wouldn't know any of the words in that book. Oh, yes, I do. Appear to be do something especially fully. Oh, no, this is not one for me. No. I'm not prepared to accept the challenge <laughs> at all. But what was interesting, it being a question on there, saying which of these facts are true, mm. everybody went away from the 50,000 word written without the letter yeah. E. Because you can't imagine that that's a thing. But I feel like that's well, you, that obviously is the true one out of the options because it's so random that it could have, like, how, why would you make that up? Oh, the others were pretty oh, random okay. as well. Yeah, sometimes you look at it, it could be any of those. Oh, fair. So back onto Christmas. As we're yeah. beginning to talk more about Christmas. I feel like it's okay uh, soon. Uh, well, it's not really. We haven't started bonfire building yet. That starts Saturday. Well, once bonfire it's night's over, the, it's Christmas. Well, that's that's it's okay. Well, it's sort of getting closer to it. But, uh, but you know, we've still got leaves on the trees. It's oh, um, yeah. Despite wind today, it's still very leafy. Anyway, so B&M, yes. which is not a shop I've been to but i think you've got one being built very close to we do where you live right around the corner b&m is great for little random things especially christmas decorations quite cheap yes and they have such a big variety yes well one of their products for christmas is a white reindeer standing up with a fox owl squirrel and rabbit on its back Mm. and the whole thing costs 10 pounds which is quite good so it's Somebody picked one of these up, couldn't find their tag on it, flipped it 
upside down, see if the tag was underneath, to find that it was rather anatomically correct. <laughs> and it was a male reindeer. Has it got antlers? It has antlers and other things. <laughs> well, and other appendages. At least it's correct in its body. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes. You just know. Absolutely. You know whoever is producing that was like, let's just do it and see what happens. Let's just, what are they going to say? It's well, male. What's interesting, you know, well, you know it's going to be found. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's not too obvious. Let's put it that way. I, I'm going to have a little look, actually. And you know it's going to be found. And the thing is, you know there's going to be a massive. I want one. Oh my God, it's so cute. Amount of information in the socials. It's so cute. Obviously, not the that I was talking about when it's the right way up. Yes. Yeah, the whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. thing. Yes. You wouldn't see that unless you knew to look for it. That's so funny, though. <laughs> well, the thing is, we all now know. I'm definitely going and getting one of those because why not? Now, something else I came across last week, and I have no idea how I discovered this, Mm. but I was looking into baked beans. Fair. And it turns out that tinned baked beans aren't baked beans, they're steamed beans. What? Mmm, they're steamed before they're mixed with the sauce. Oh, I see. Like the actual beans... Steam. Yes, so the cooking process is steaming, not I baking. Thought you, I thought it was with the sauce, but just the beans steamed and then added to the sauce. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So why are they called baked beans? Yes, so baked beans are a thing. They were a thing before they were tinned. They're sort of loosely based on cassoulet from France, which is a, a bean and meat dish. It's mm. very, very nice. And lots of sort of bacon and pork stuff sort of added to it previously. Yeah. Presumably that. In producing tins of it, it's better to steam it. Interesting. Whatever reason. There's an excellent series with Greg Wallace where he goes around different factories. Yes. And one of them is the baked bean factory. L- I love watching those. They're really interesting. And he also th- always throws in yeah. a good innuendo normally. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So how many tins of beans do you think are produced okay every day? Every day? A million? Oh, no. It's three million. Oh, my God. That's a lot of baked beans. Well, it's a 54-acre factory mm. and uh, average of 3 million cans in 24 hours. And how many beans do you reckon, on average, are in each normal-sized can? So how many baked beans, on average, do you think are in a, in a full-size tin? 2,986. Oh, no, you're well off. 465. Yeah, I thought I went... I was thinking the hundreds, and then I was like, no, it's yeah. definitely more than, a hun- than the hundreds. And then I just went yeah. all out. I got bored of trying to well, figure it, it out. It might be that in one of those big catering packs, you know, those big, massive tins. Yeah. Oh, those tins, so, tins are crazy. Uh, a bit of investigation for next week. Yeah, they are. Well, go and buy one and count them out. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> well, you could probably work it out if you know how many in a tin of a certain size, which is 465. Mm. Find out what the weight is of a bigger tin and work it out that way rather than counting them. I think you should count them. Because I think you get bored. Do you know what I really enjoy? The bean and sausage, Heinz. Those little sausages Ooh. are absolutely amazing. Oh, I might go and buy some of those. Anyway, the last thing I have on my list for this week, mm. something I get a bee in my bonnet about every now and then, is wrong metrics where people are measuring something very simply and it's not the right thing at all and this is about covid and returning to the office and this lady here was happier at home basically with her family and the commute it worked much much better so when they started getting people back into the office the employer looked at 
statistic that determined whether or not people should come in or not. And what it was, so they have a sort of like instant message thing running, yeah. a bit like Microsoft years ago. And it will detect keyboard <coughs> movement. So if people are typing, then essentially you're working. And if you stop for whatever reason, then after a period of time, you, you're sort of disconnected, if you see. So they were measuring the time in the working day when it was a green tick. Yeah. Which, as the lady says, she said, everything I'd done had improved. So I was getting through problems quicker. I was dealing with more of them during the day. So my day was much, much more effective. Mm. But there were periods where I didn't have stuff to do. Yeah. So, or I wasn't touching the keyboard because I was doing something else. So they said to her, well, no, you know, you need to come in again. And somehow or other, they got them to re-look at this after a, after another month or so. By which time, she'd written a little script that ran on her computer that every four minutes, I think five minutes was the cutoff, every four minutes, it would just automatically emulate a key press on the keyboard. <laughs> Love that. So that from when she started in the morning to when she finished... Constantly eight hours, yeah appeared to be working for eight hours and then she appeared on the list of people that could stay at home that's mad isn't it but talk about the wrong it is mad and it is the wrong metric and actually what worrying is she was able to identify that she was more efficient and, and prove got it more work and and prove it then why are they not looking at those metrics it's nah. much much simpler yeah i can't remember who it was that said if it's simple to measure it's probably the wrong thing and that's mm. absolutely right Absolutely right. I was in a meeting this week where we were looking at dashboards for a new system. And there was all sorts of figures on there. This is meaningless. I mean, it's great because you can throw stuff up. But actually, if it's just noise, what's the point? And to be honest, what you want is a screen that's got big blocks of colour on it that are red, yellow or green Mm. to say whether something's failing, about to fail or is perfectly okay. I've always been under the impression that if... It's easier in the industry I worked in, actually, because there's a lot more targeted work and majority of the work is targeted. But as long as people are hitting their targets, just leave them alone. Let them do what's working for them. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think as part of a boss, your job is to generate that environment so Mm. they can do their work. Just give them exactly what they need to be hitting targets. And as long as they're hitting targets, hands off. Yeah, the space to do it. So you're not having to fill out daft HR forms every stuff like that. 100%. Give them the space. Mm. Henry Ford was very good at doing that. Yeah. He decided he wanted a, a V8 engine and and engineered in a certain way. And he, t- he gave people the time and the money to do it. And they kept coming back saying, we can't do it, we can't do it. And he says, well, I want it. Just keep going. Yeah. You know, there's no, <laughs> there's no time so limit on like, this. I'm not going to cut you off. Yeah. Well, <laughs> preferably before I pass yeah. away. But uh, yeah, this, this is what I want. I expect you to, to eventually be able to produce yeah. it. So... As much as he was unloved in many ways, his, his drive to get things done was good. Anyway, enough waffle. Have you got a top tip for this I week? I do have a top tip for this week. My top tip comes along with another slight story. Slight story. Scratchy, a fairly longish story. Not okay. that long, to be honest. But we'll go with the top tip first and then we'll do the backstory. So my top tip okay. is... Don't send your partner out to buy something without guidelines of the price in which you would like to spend. Quite correct. Yeah. I I would have said that was obvious. I, I thought, well, no, because I didn't do it, did I? I didn't do it. So we'd bought a picture for our living room and we just got the print sent, so we needed to get it framed. 
And okay. Chris was very excited to get it framed and wanted to do it really soon. And he doesn't work on Fridays anymore, which is lovely. Um, so he was like, oh, nice. I'll go on a Friday when I'm not working. So he off he went to the frame shop because we couldn't find any online because it's quite, it's like 70 centimeters by 70 centimeters. It's quite yeah. large. So we'd, we'd had discussed what we, what we liked. So like the frame, then a small gap. Sorry, the print, then a small gap, then the frame. Mm-hmm. So he'd got all of that. He'd FaceTime me at the shop and was like, is this what we, what we kind of want? She showed me a picture of it and I was like, yeah, perfect. That looks great. Then hang up because I'm obviously working. So I'm not really chatting. And then I got a message saying, how much did you want to spend? And so I sent back, well, I was thinking like a hundred pounds and he was like, oh, perfect. Just send our pay and then you send the hundred pound to me. And I was like, no, I meant a hundred pound between us, like 50 quid each. No, turns out he'd bought a frame for 200 pounds. Which actually after further investigation, I have realized that a frame that size is rough, even if we bought it online, is roughly that. I just didn't know how expensive frames were. And I was not impressed to say the least. (laughs) I apologize later because I did feel bad because obviously we hadn't spoken about price or anything, but £200 for a frame. Yeah. The thing is the cheaper ones aren't aren't very good. And he also bought the better glass as well. There was an upgrade on glass. He went for the upgrade on glass because obviously it was, it's quite a nice print we bought. So he didn't want to put it then in a rubbish frame. But my God, was I in shock. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a bit of wedge. But how long do you expect to have this for? Ever, really. 20 yeah. years? Yeah. So 200 quid over It just uh, took me by surprise a little bit when I when he yeah. finally, after a lot of asking, told me how much it was. The thing is, when you go to a frame shop, and that's what they do, that, you know, that's what they'll charge. Yeah. But it will be beautifully made. It will. It won't fall and apart if it does fall apart in a week they'll make us a new one for free i'm back. sure so yeah exactly yeah yeah but top yeah. two actually reminds me of a meme i've seen a couple of times over the last few weeks where his husband's saying my wife said to me could you go to the shop and get a pint of milk and if you see eggs buy six yes and i came back with seven pints of milk and apparently that's wrong <laughs> because he saw eggs <laughs> so he got six <laughs> yeah yeah yes so think think about your instructions. 100%. Anyway, I'm not going to do a fun fact this week. You're not? I've got something different. Oh, okay. I'm going to recommend a podcast. Oh, yeah. Now, as you all know, we've been working very slowly towards a Jaws special. Yes. And we have tickets for The Shark is Broken, mm-hmm. of which I saw some pictures this week. And it looks fantastic. I really go. Most impressively is Ian Shaw, who was Robert Shaw, who played Quinn's mm, yeah. son. He looks just like his dad in some of the scenes. It is uncanny, absolutely uncanny. Anyway, I've come across this podcast called Jaws for a Minute. Mm. What they're doing is they're taking very small slithers of the film in each episode of the podcast and discussing it. And it's, it's brilliant. And obviously the two people involved in it, it's a lifetime's work. Yeah. It, absolutely over the moon to be able to do this so i highly recommend it i'll leave a link but if you search for jaws for a minute at the same place that you listen to us then uh, i'm sure you'll find yes. it any problem whatsoever that's it for this podcast thank you so much for listening 
You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.